Welcome to the Decent People Podcast, a production of Decentral Media, where we're committed to telling the stories of the founders, builders, and visionaries who are creating a new decentralized economy and internet experience. You guys know it as Web3 or blockchain, but we're going to bring you the smartest and most interesting people in the space for intimate conversations that reveal their background, how they got into crypto in the first place, and what they're doing today to make a decentralized future a reality. Thanks so much for joining us, and check out our site at Decentral.io. Now, to the show. Hey, uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Decent People podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ladin, and I'm here today with Jess Sloss. Jess is the co-creator of uh, Seed Club, a DAO that builds investments in Web3 communities. Um and you know, really, really knowledgeable about uh, crypto, cryptocurrency, um, and we're here to kind of, you know, learn more about uh, just your path and how you got to where you are, and uh, uh, of course, what you do. But really, know, get to learn the man behind the doing. You know, um, so Jess, thank you for for coming on, and uh, you know, really happy and thankful for your time. I guess this is my my tell all story. Let's let's see yeah, how it yeah. goes. A pleasure to be here. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's uh, we can we'll be uh, optioning off the rights to this uh, afterwards. So if anyone's okay. interested, uh, as an know. NFT, obviously. And yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, Jess, as as I guess, let's let's just start maybe from the the origin story. Yeah, it's uh, back to the beginning. You know, you're, you're growing up. Did you ever think that you would be involved? You know, as a as a in your professional life in cryptocurrency in something so pioneering as, as, as that, you know, DAOs, all that stuff. Was this ever obviously not in that form as a child, but, but kind of getting into the yeah. entrepreneurial path, was that something you always envisioned yourself pursuing? Yeah. I mean, it, it sort of was like the path, like that was sort of, uh, you know, that might, might, parents had gone through and, and had a number of, you know, uncles and aunts that all ran small businesses. So, um, you know, entrepreneurial pursuits at that point was, you know, my, my dad ran a horticulture business, you know, managing high-end gardens that were, you know, uh, worked very hard, had a, a small team, um, my uncle and, and, you know, did construction work. And so everybody kind of had their own thing, didn't work jobs in the traditional sense. So I think, yeah, there's definitely a, pretty clear entrepreneurial path, early self-employment path there. Um, but yeah, I think like the earliest, you know, it, it was a product of the nineties the for the most part. And, you know, big part of growing up to the nineties was the internet being a thing. And big part of the internet being a thing was sort of, you know, startups and tech culture and just like the, the technology generally and, and the, the, you know, wild advancements that come from that. So I think it was very much shaped by that. Um, but I, th- I think that was probably more like a, you know, in my earlier days, it was like, yeah, maybe I'll go be a gardener or I want to work outside. And then, you know, having done that for a large part of my early career, I can tell you that's definitely not what I want to do. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, further into like uh, later, later into high school, like the entrepreneurship path became very clear to me. And it was something I was very interested in and, and had sort of, yeah, the, the traditional corporate path never really was something that was intriguing to me from, from an early age. Sure. And along that path, you know, I guess, how did the entrepreneurial path and tech eventually kind of coalesce? And was it say like an interest? And again, you're pursuing your interest, you're 
what you, what you enjoy, and then it all kind of comes together or how did those two things kind of merge? Yeah, it was, it was like, what the end of the nineties, early two thousands was this, you know, web one tech bubble. And it was captivating to me, like the, you know, the stories of Mosaic and Netscape and Microsoft and, you know, Amazon and, you know, all the other, you know, pets.com, everything else that was kind of happening there yeah. sort of hit right when I was in, in later in high school. And um, it, it, yeah, it was, you know, fascinating, right? Like all these, I think, think the, the idea of just having um, things that my parents didn't quite get and that most people didn't quite get, but that I felt that I had insight into because of the communities I was able to be plugged into or what my friends were interested in or just what made more sense. Uh, it was just this, this I think, pretty and clear inevitability that, that tech was a thing and, and that if you wanted to live sort of an interesting life and have an interesting career, being a part of it in some way uh, would, would kind of be worthwhile. Um, yeah, I think like probably looking back and connecting dots, there was a lot more consistencies there, but I was just fascinated with this idea of, you know, being able to apply creativity to through a business lens and, and what that might create. And I think that's, uh, you know, continued to be my, my fascination. Mm. And was there along that path? So, so, you know, you're uh, in high school, you figure that you figure out that there's alignment in these two uh, ventures, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur tech. Uh, was there like a first win or experience that validated that this could also be not only sustainable, but, you know, it, it was more than just, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing interest. I'm actually, there's a, there's an outlet for this that can, sustain myself well I, like I, I had a grade 10 teacher who uh, I think it was like maybe the class was called infotech which is just like a phenomenal name for a class I would think we should probably bring it back infotech <laughs> Info I would call it but yeah, yeah. And, but it was just you know an incredibly supportive guy and Mr. Mackay and he uh you know just this idea of like introducing somebody at that age, I think to the tools of like, Hey, you can go build your own website or you can go, you know, here, here's a you know, tutorial on learning visual basic and look at all the cool things that can be done. And, um, you know, just this sort of like growth in the number of superpowers that, that the internet was going to bring to people, I think was the, the thing that, yeah, maybe, maybe just sort of opened the door to me and, and, you know, had the early encouragement just to, to lean into it. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a technical guy beyond maybe early HTML, which was fun, but really not where, where I sort of leaned in. Um, and so, you know, for, for after graduating high school, you know, I started a, a lawn care company to pay my way through university. I went, went and did business oh, wow. school, but needed to sort of pay my way through business school. I remember my old man coming to me and being like, so how are you going to pay for school? I was like, huh. Yeah, right. Kind of pay for school. I live in, in Canada, so school isn't like as crazy as something all down in the United States. <laughs> sure. With, but, sure. but, you know, it's still money. And so um, he ended up, you know, selling me rather cheaply a, a pickup truck, uh, a lawnmower, a line trimmer and a blower and um, was like, hey, here's how you go do it. Uh, I'll give you a couple of jobs, but you should probably go find your own clients and go have fun. And um, ended up doing that for five years in the summers, which paid for school and um, ended up. So I think through that lens, like it was sort of the, the web two wave that kind of more captured my attention and made it very clear to me that there was, you know, a big opportunity here for me personally in, in a career. Like I had run this business. You know, I think the very first phone, the phone line I had, it had a fax machine attached to it. I had a checkbook nice. you know, by the end. And I was putting ads in the newspaper and getting random messages and being like, this is just obviously not the way, you know, knocked on a lot of doors. It's kind of the way I built my business. 
Um, and then, you know, Google and, and some of these early web two, two companies come around and you go, oh, okay, like this is an entirely new way for me to have, have like I could approach this business completely in a new way. And there's a huge competitive advantage for me because most of the other old dudes that are running these businesses have no idea what the hell the internet is, period. Um, and so it just, yeah, very clearly unlocked a whole new world and, um, you know, ended up jumping in and working with an early YouTube um, producer and kind of been early in social media that way. And, uh, just yeah, had my hands in on the ground floor of, of that new wave really, really early. And uh, I think it's you know, in a very similar way with, with Web3, once you kind of get in and you realize there's some of these secrets that are kind of like hiding in plain sight, like the, the world is different and most people don't know it yet. And that's like incredibly exciting. And so um, had that wave sort of in the early 2000s. Awesome. And it's, so it's not on two, two, two thoughts come to mind. It's like one, it sounds like you had both from your teacher and in a way your, your father, you had these sort of uh, Mr. Miyagi figures, you know, to borrow from Karate Kid, you know, who, who kind of helped uh, guide you uh, along the path, it, but also encouraged your interests, which I think is really important, especially in those formative years when you're figuring it out, trying to move around, uh, navigate life. And then, you know, somebody can kind of not only guide, but also shine a beacon on something that's really uh, exciting to you. And then not only, hey, here's something that's exciting, but here's how you can apply yourself to be part of that excitement. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and it also sounds like, you know, from the uh, using the lawn care company to pay for school and, uh, you know, the, the advancements of technology that, and, and how you grew that client base to, to now, you know, advent of the, the more popularized uh, internet and, and, you know, go from fax to, to uh, Google, it's like, there seems to be a certain adaptability too, and an, and an eye for opportunity where other people just, as you said, it's, it's like hiding in plain sight. So how much of your success has been the ability to kind of, you know, almost see where other people aren't, or see the same thing that people are looking, but just see the opportunity in it and be like, no, this is, this is huge. Yeah. I think those things are actually pretty tied together. Like the idea of, of having my dogs are barking right now. Apologies, guys. No, no, <laughs> your, your dogs agree. They agree like, with... Oh, this is a total thing. See around corners. <laughs> uh, you know, I think like the, um, the, the having the early supporters who are just like, yeah, yeah, you should go for it. Like you cannot underestimate the value that that creates. Like it's just such a, a powerful thing for like, and I think that was the thing that like it was the reality for me, but I think a lot of people don't have that, especially early in life and, and or even get the, the opposite, which is like, you're crazy for even considering doing that weird thing. And, and so, yeah, from early on, it was just like, yeah, of course you go do your own thing and figure it out. That's, that's cool. Like pulling those threads and, you know, it'll probably be cool, but it'll, it'll work. Or if not, you'll figure it out. Uh, so it creates this sort of like foundation that was pretty powerful, but yeah, without a doubt, like the, I mean, if I look back for four years, like my career was, doing a variety of different things to, you know, uh, mediocre success, I think, you know, trying to find what, what that thing really was and uh, lots of great opportunities, you know, without a doubt had, had my share of successes, but um, the, you know, just being very open and willing to, to follow my interests, I think in some ways 
know, very much led me to where I am today and that I can sort of in a position to, to lean in and it was in a position to lean in in a big way when we, when C club started, you know, almost a year and a half ago. Um, but also, you know, like the following those interests can kind of lead to a career where you're jumping from thing to thing and things don't quite feel right. And you're kind of open to new, new things. So there, I think there's both a, a big superpower that comes from it, but there was times definitely where I thought it was a, a, a hindrance, um, but without a doubt, very comfortable in, in uncertainty. Um, mm. Not that I, you know, it's anxiety inducing as, <laughs> as, as it is, I think to anybody, but, but I think apparently I'm, I'm good at it. Um, and yeah, like the, I mean, I think right now it's interesting just to see how people are looking at our entire space and, and are trying to see like, what, what even is this? And um, I just have had the pleasure of, of being able to build an amazing network of human beings that just look a little bit deeper at things or look a little bit sideways at things. And um, I don't ever feel like I'm, you know, out on a ledge by myself in any of this sort of stuff. I'm surrounded by the people that I admire and that I trust and that I'm fascinated with. And um so yeah, maybe we get to see around corners, but really I think it's just like this mutual delusion and, and excitement that sometimes works out well. Right. Which is, which is so, so cool in the sense that sometimes having like having the group, I think that around that, that you've cultivated is, is really important too, because it can also feel isolating if, if say you're one person who, who has uh, call it a forward thinking mentality and, you know, it, it's almost like if, if your, if your group doesn't, doesn't share that, then it can, you might feel like the alien. And even though you might be the, the most progressive thinking person uh, there. So how, how much do you I think? Mean, yeah. Is it, I think, you know, 100%. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Like I can imagine doing this without, without, I mean, like what early on it was. Yeah. A Facebook group of, of, entrepreneurs that a friend of mine put together from you know around the world where all of a sudden you're like not only was it normal to do these things but also was like expected to do them well and and like the leveling up that could come from from being in that community was was very significant um and, and you know and now i think it's just like the billion different groups and you know uh, chats and stuff like it's just very um I think increasingly easy to kind of find those types of people who can help make sense uh, of the world in ways that are useful to you. Um, but I think, yeah, without, I read these biographies of like, you know, uh, guys, you know, the founders of Standard Oil, even Steve Jobs before the internet, like that must've been an incredibly isolating thing to have such, and the, the sort of fortitude that you must have in, in your vision to be able to like move through that uncertainty when everybody's like, what the hell are you like? It's just a bunch of, right like nonsense, right? Like, so yeah, I think those are, I really admire that craziness, I guess. Um, and I think it happens today. And I think it's a, like, like the, the downside today of this is that it is very easy to get sucked into, into these bubbles that are sort of self-referencing. And so I think you see that in, in web three, both on the sort of people who are deep in it. And obviously there's like a lot of delusion, I think that exists in any, any of these markets. Uh, but you also see it, I think for groups of people who are very anti say something like NFTs, right? Like I, we, we, as a, as a group believe NFTs are evil and bad as gamers or as certain types of artists, et cetera. And, you know, uh, not the most helpful to have such a, a thin understanding of what's actually happening and such a strong opinion. So I think there's pluses and minuses. And, and I, and, you know, I think it's a, a yeah, there's, there's always new landmines that you have to kind of navigate around. Sure. Uh, on that tip, and, and maybe this can help kind of clarify for folks who might not be as familiar with, say, Web3, or um, maybe they've been, made it this far into the into the podcast, and they're like, well, I still don't know what exactly 
Yes. Just cuts grass. Yeah, yeah. Does he? Is he still part of the landscaping business? Like seed club. Can, 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 <laughs> can, can, can I ring him up? I've got. I've, I need some help with my plants. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe you could talk a little bit about you know what Web three is and and how you know seed seed club yeah. plays a role in that and how you event you know how you how you launch seed club, what the purpose of it is, and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. So I think like being really early into tech and into you know, web to uh, being really early users of, of, you know, social media platforms and, and being very excited and sort of pulled up into the excitement of the democratization of the internet and the accessibility and power. I mean, the ability to, to launch a blog just blew me away back in the day. I can have this sort of anybody in the world can read this like that. That's absolutely wild. Um, but it also sort of gave me a front row seat to, to the negative outcomes that were going to come from these centralized networks. Um, and Maybe not so much the the, the censorship and, and sort of like the the you know division that's been created in society because because of them, but more so for me early on at least was this really clear values misalignment. Like I was spending a lot of time and effort, and sometimes clients were spending a lot of money to go build these audiences on Facebook and on YouTube um, to be able to like reach my customers and my fans, and then all of a sudden, you know, because Facebook where YouTube was becoming very successful, they would stop, they would turn off that organic reach and instead you'd have to sort of pay to access the same fans that you were, you know, reaching organically previously. And so I started to see this, like, it, you know, here I am and we are creating value through through content and through, you know, network effects that are ultimately, ultimately leading to, you know, trillion dollar companies. Uh, but as individuals, we not only have no say in, in them, but we also have no way to participate in that value creation. And so, you know, early on, um, crypto, I guess, tokens were a, you know, a pretty exciting solution, potential solution to this. The idea that, that tokens, these digital assets represent an ownership stake or a governance stake in a network. Uh, I thought was like a fundamental shift and unlock for solving this big problem of like, here we are as human beings creating a lot of value in these networks, but we're not able to capture them. Only investors are able to capture them or maybe public market participation later on. Um, you know, the first Uber driver creating untold amount of value, but getting no exposure to, to the IPO, I think is, is, is insane. And so to me, tokens were a solution to that. And so, um, tried to you know, about my first Ethereum in 2016 because I heard about the DAO and I was like, that's fascinating. But again, not a technical guy. So was unable to actually get it in, which was good because the DAO was hacked and would have lost my money. Um, and then, you know, in 2017, had a friend send me a note on Facebook and being like, hey, have you heard about tokens? And I was like, what the hell is a token? And, you know, rabbit hole emerges and I kind of <laughs> jumped down. And it was really this idea of, of you know, I, I believe we're part of in the middle of this like multi-decade shift from, you know, the firm to the network as being like the core way that we organize our economy. I still think we're fairly early in that shift. Uh, if you try to go send a bank wire anytime recently, you'll you'll agree with me. It's still cumbersome and and but you know, I think Web three sort of um, starting to reimagine like okay, well, as networks are actually dominant in in our economy, like one of the downsides is they can become very centralized and controlled and and you know negative outcomes. Can, can result from that. And so things like Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and Uniswap, and we're just seeing this like reimagining of infrastructure where, you know, tokens and, and user ownership are kind of embedded in, in the belief system there or in, in like the, the value system. And you start to see that same idea kind of move up the stack as that technology advantage or advances. So not only is it just infrastructure, now it's platforms and its applications. And uh, what we noticed at Seed Club was that tokens were being used by communities to 
know, create and capture value in, in new, interesting ways. Um, and ultimately, you know, communities are, I think, the, the, the way or people coming together on the internet is the way that that value has been created on the internet since web one. Um, and uh, our insight was that, well, tokens probably give communities some new superpowers. Uh, we just don't really know exactly what those superpowers are or, or how to best apply them. And so C Club was really born with that idea. Like, how do we, uh, you know, if we believe that networks are taking over and, and that ownership of networks are going to be key and that communities are themselves networks, and tokens are the way to have sort of ownership or mark, you know, uh, or governance or say or control in these in these uh, communities slash networks. Uh, some cool things are going to result from that. Uh, and so, we started off as eleven people in a Telegram group and have since sort of evolved into running a, I think, an industry leading accelerator that helps communities explore how they might put tokens to use to ensure that their people profit rather than the platforms uh, the, themselves. And so, uh, yeah, it has been a quite the process so far. We're in our fourth cohort that's kicking off uh, next week. And uh, I think have have learned a lot and have uh, much more to learn as well. Yeah, wow, that's su super, super cool. And you you say, so 11 people in a Telegram group, was what was there like a, a, a moment or a set of experiences along that journey where you were like, okay, or maybe it could it could be it could have been getting eleven people in a Telegram group, but but basically like hey, I think the, the the moment or experience where you're like all right, hey, I think C Club actually this is the thing, right? This is what we're gonna do, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it, C Club has just been a series of experiences like that. Like it, it's it's just like, oh, okay, social tokens, community tokens are a thing. I had a bunch of friends that were launching them or doing interesting things with them. So they all had similar questions. So we brought the folks together into a telegram chat and then, you know, uh, decided we wanted to go do things together. So we created a hackathon and we ran an event and we're like, well, actually the way to learn is probably just to get other people who are interested in this together and see what we can co-create together. And so we did our first cohort and we did a bigger event and then we formalized it. It was just sort of a series of like uh, momentum building activities. And I think that's, what's really interesting about you know, like if we, if we think about the difference with today compared to say 99 or 2000 or, you know, even five or six years ago, when you wanted to start a, a startup, you know, you were building technology and you're using that technology to go and, you know, uh, well, you're probably founding a company, you're then building technology and then you're going to go build a community around that technology. It's maybe a way of, um, you know, furthering your market dominance or, or go to market, et cetera. Um, I think what we're seeing today is that we have this pathway to, to use community as the starting point. So like we get people together on an adventure uh, and we're able to use that to bring social and financial capital together. Uh, and we have these new tools that give us, you know, a shared bank account and you know, maybe something that looks kind of like a cap table and our ability to kind of, you know, align incentives over the long term. what might we go create? And I think C Club is an example of that where we had, social capital at first, and then we're able to form some financial capital. And those two things combined have sort of allowed us to continue to, to level up both our organization, you know, the number of people that we're working with, the projects we're working with, and, and our, our attention more broadly. So uh, I think, yeah, it has constantly been this like, whoa, what is this thing? That's super cool. I'm all here for it. And uh, I hope it continues to be. Awesome. And, and how much, how important then is it, especially with DAOs and, and sort of um, call the pooling of communal resources to advance a particular set of goals or a goal or project. Is it that from the base level that everybody's on board with the larger mission? I think it would be, you know, it, it sounds like it would be, uh, 
if you say saying that out loud, it sounds like, Hey, that's pretty, a, a no brainer. Like it should, everyone should be completely with it. But to your point on being in a, uh, for, for fear of being in a bubble and having everybody kind of, mm. you know, being, uh, is there any, do you have contrary opinions or like, how do you, how do you mitigate having, yeah. you know, that, that type of uh, voice within the group? Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because the, yeah, I think there's, there's this idea that you do need to have some sort of shared purpose or mission, I think at least um, to start at some point. And, and I think arguably over the long term, right? Like what is, you know, we look at, at DAOs or at least community to, communities with tokens, it's more like the evolution of a startup or of like a, an LLC is just being digitized. And so like the things that we've learned from building great businesses in the past, you know, many, many of those things still apply, which is, you know, to, to uh, allow for people to make decisions and to be autonomous and to be able to, to take action, there needs to be a clear North star that we're moving towards. Um, I think what's interesting is that, you know, these organizations are, are not as monolithic as you might have in a, in a corporate structure. Um, and so, you know, the, the ability to, to fork or to spin out or to do sub DAOs or other communities, um, I think is, is like a, a really big superpower of these organizations. So, so my guess is that you're going to see these, these really clear, we, we, we like to call it, uh, we're looking for a big adventure. So what is the big adventure that we're going on? So the big adventure for, for C club is that we believe communities or that tokens give community superpowers. And it's our job to help figure out what those are and, and enable a whole new set of, of entrepreneurs and projects to, to be birthed into the world and create an exceptional amount of value and, and you know, prosperity and, uh, people who are, are about that will come and be a part of our adventure. Now, what does that look like as, you know, this, this whole space grows and, and NFTs become a thing and maybe, you know, the, the metaverse becomes a thing. Like, do we then just focus on that? Is that something that we should just ignore or, or does that get bundled up into our core mission or do we sort of spin out sub communities that are kind of interested in focusing on those things and resource them? I think we're going to see all of these things happen and, and that there probably won't be one right answer, but that ultimately at the core of this idea of a group of people being able to bring resources, both social and financial capital together is sort of like the, the big unlock. And then it's going to be up to great leaders within these organizations. And I think, you know, one of the big misnomers with DAOs is that they are leaderless organizations. In reality, they are organizations filled with leaders. The, the only way to be successful in, in a DAO is to lead in some way. And so what these organizations hopefully will do is be a great job, do a great job at resourcing leaders in multitude of ways and, and structures within an organization to grow and, um, you know, where those lines live between that initial big adventure and, and ultimately where people spend their time and effort, I think will be something, you know, that, that we're very eager to, to watch and, and be a part of. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And it seems again, like, in, in the bedrock built into what a DAO is, uh, it feels like adaptability from everything you're saying is core to that uh, success, you know, and, and, and the ability in the same way that you approached your early aughts of, uh, uh, of entrepreneurship in high school, figuring out, you know, where your interests and, and entrepreneurship aligned, and then, you know, moving forward beyond the fax machine. Uh, it, it, it's like, there's this constant evolution that is inherent with that solo journey, but then it also seems collectively everybody, you know, the, the rigid, the rigidness that has perhaps plagued corporations in the past or large behemoths. It seems there's more, um, more of a malleable uh, way of navigating uh, in DAOs rather than, you know, traditional companies. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that is a, a, a reality of, of work today and whether everybody's exposed to it or not yet, they will be. And I think it's a byproduct of the fact that networks, you know, the networks don't follow the same laws of physics as like physical distribution. You know, the, the, um, the normal distribution curve uh, just doesn't really exist when information, there's like zero friction in information flow and, and ideas and capital and, and wealth. And so you start to see, um, you know, more, more hits you know, more capital flow to, to fewer companies, but in make bigger ways. And then, you know, also sort of this long tail of opportunities that emerge and, and a lot more fluidity and, and uh, variability and uh, volatility, I guess, in, in like what's interesting, what's, what's hot, you know, um, the right way to do things. So I think it's just like a, a broad trend that we're all, you know, the, the we and, and all future generations are really going to have to to figure out. And that you can see this in a number of ways, like the idea of going to school in, in the same type of structure just doesn't seem mm. to fit anymore. And like the idea of having a career for life, like obviously that's not going to happen. But, um, you know, so so yeah, I think there's like that is, is an assumption that I've made from pretty early on and has given me a lot of confidence just to be like, okay, well, you know, the, the way to do this well is just to kind of be a part of it and you know, uh, be, be as flexible as possible and, and really um, emerge as the space or as the, the concept or, or as, you know, the understanding starts to, to evolve, to be able to be, you know, a part of that in a meaningful way. And 100%, if you're a part of, or if you are a part of a DAO, you feel that on a day-to-day -day basis, like not only are we trying to figure out this thing, but the, you know, the playing field is moving, the, the uh, you know, the, it's just the, probably the most dynamic space period. So there's really no way to be certain about anything um, beyond, you know, or at least we shouldn't be locked into those beliefs. I think there's this constant questioning that that's required and that leads to, you know, interesting new evolutions and experiments and, and rethinking that's, that's required. And um, those of those teams and individuals are going to be better at sort of reevaluating those things and on the fly, I think are going to be in a better position to, to profit and win and build great things. Um, and those that are going to sort of get locked into one way of thinking, which I think is probably my biggest fear is just not evolving with the space. And I see it all around me all the time. And I'm probably going to be guilty of it. Like maybe it's an unrealistic expectation to have, but sure. I think just really trying to be up to date with all that stuff is uh, essential. Right. Well, it's a, it's a fine line between, locking into a system that works that helps you say improve efficiency and then believing that that's the way and that there's no other all right well we found something that worked. like okay yeah lean into the things that work but also be open to the things that could also make the things that work better yeah well i think with, with <laughs> within our space it's like what if that thing that just came out yesterday makes everything that we've done so far irrelevant and i think that's like Yeah, I think like a, a legitimate possibility with most things right now. Um, maybe maybe that's a little harsh, but at least that's how how you know. I think myself, and I think a, a lot of people that are are really trying earnestly to stay up to date with this you know evolving and quickly evolving space. Uh, probably a belief that we share, right? Like that we're probably not doing it right <clears throat> or in the best way right now. Like it's still so nascent, and they're still early early in the idea maze, and so. Yeah, it's it's very risky just to say this is the only thing that will ever exist. And shout out to my Bitcoin Maxi friends, like love you. Um, but I think you're sort of guilty of this. And same with with ETH Maxi friends, and same with DeFi Maxi. Like it's just uh, it's, it's so so new. And man, like we don't really know what the hell we're talking about. Which which is also 
super cool because there's there's so much room for innovation and there's so much room for for carving the path like i think that's a really unique opportunity to to be on the front lines and and while you're simultaneously building a company a community you're also in like real time affecting the chain like it's kind of this as you mentioned this intertwined ball of uh for of a forward moving uh entity yeah, I think, well, I think it goes even back to, like, I, I find a, a lot of freedom and permission that comes from just being cool with not knowing what is right and or what is best. I mean, maybe not a good idea of what we believe to be best. And we're definitely, you know, very aggressively, you know, advancing that. Um, but there is, when there is no correct, perfect, right way to do something, it does create a lot more latitude for experimentation and for mistakes and for, um yeah, for risk. And I think if I go back to early in my career, that's, you know, essentially what I had around me as support was like, yeah, you have this latitude to go take risk and experiment and be wrong. Um, and I, I, you know, very much feel like, you know, that exists today in, in this web three world. Um, and I think there's a strong correlation between being able to, to act and live like that in an early phase of the technology and, and success. Mm. And would you say, would you say that that ability to take risks is something that I feel like it's perhaps something kind of like what you were saying, one's ability to stomach anxiety, like the ability to take risks and the ability to uh, use anxiety as sort of a tool or to feed off of it in a positive way. Are those, are those inherent qualities that people possess that, you know, make them unique and, and, and help them or is that something you can learn, you know, in yeah, your experience? I, I don't know. I mean, I think like it's, if I think about just the the number of of you know the, just the amount of luck that I have had in my life, both you know in you know, grew up in Canada, so I don't worry about healthcare. You know, I had access to great education for not a whole lot of money. I uh, had a really supportive family. Have a really supportive family. Um, you know, been in good health. Like I think there's just like I'm very very aware of the the privilege that you know has been bestowed upon me in life, and and I think. Um, part of that privilege yeah is I, I think there is some ingrained you know it, i don't think I, I necessarily learned how to to yeah there's some personality pieces in there i'm sure uh, but it, it's, it's that whole package that has sort of allowed me to, to get to you know whatever level of success i have have today and uh and also like i think that is a, like I, I think we're if i sit here today and i think about i was talking to a friend last night and he's like no, don't you just feel stress over over like the responsibility that you have to to people who back to you and to people who are, you know, you know, if you're taking money from other people and uh, and I said, yeah, that's not really where where my stress comes from. My stress comes from you know wanting to do right by the people who put their faith in me. So that's the people that are, are working, um, you know, that I get to work with or or you know put their faith into C Club as as a, a broad organization that we've built. Like I want to make sure we, we do right there. Uh, but more so I see is just this immense gift that's been put on the table for us to go and, and do something big with, which is, you know, it's a, a great idea at the right time at the right place that we think is going to really work out well, but might not, uh, and have just been surrounded by amazing human beings and, and, uh, and supportive human beings and the right time and in the market to just have this, you know, huge opportunity to go do well. And so I, I just, that's really what, what drives me on a regular basis is, you know, feeling like here's this, this amazing uncut diamond that we just, you know, get to work on every single day to cut a little bit more. And, you know, eventually the masterpiece will reveal itself and hopefully will exist forever. And 
and you know be a, an organization that be, is seen as an institution and has a major impact on you know thousands hundreds of thousands or millions of people um and i don't yeah, so it feels like it, almost like hey you know the big leagues are here you got two at bats like make them make them count um but also don't have like the, I think that would be a hell of a lot more stressful actually with all those people. I don't feel that level. Of <laughs> it's yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you, you see the opportunity in front of you and you know, the impact it can, it can have. And it's more just doing what you know, you do well and uh, leading and managing the team and, and, you know, yes. Yeah, showing up and just truly is just showing up and, and doing our best every day and recognizing that shifts day to day. But um you know, what, what we've been able to do at C club is just attracted an incredible community and team. Um, you know, I'm by far the least impactful contributor at C club today. Uh, we have incredible human beings that are running all aspects of our, of our organization, you know, that, that have, that I have no control over that, you know, are, are on a mission in and to themselves that are trying to create value for our organization and, and, you know, are represented in that organization through membership and governance tokens and, um, you know, and, and so you start to see like the nascent network that's being built there and, and the engine of, of value creation there. It's just incredible. And, you know, I think of like DAOs as the culmination of three areas of, of leverage, which is, you know, capital, it's technology and it's people. And uh, we have done a good job of bringing those three things together. And I hope we continue to. Awesome. Uh, do you find like, is, do you use the same, you said Telegram, 11 people on that initial uh, chat is, is, you know, the, the same sort of technology that you could say other startups employ Slack, Telegram, stuff like that. How, how do you guys keep a kind of disparate community intact, you know, given that location yeah. is no longer, you know, being all present in the same area is, is kind of not the norm anymore. It's actually incredible that the impact the pandemic has had on on how much that's not the norm anymore. And I think, like, I, I would not sure we would have been able to go do what we did pre-pandemic, and that there would have been much more of an expectation to be in, in one place. And so I think that's something that we're going to look at back on as years go by as being a fairly impactful thing. Uh, yeah, the tools are leave a lot to be desired, and, and you know we're very active in trying to bring new and better tools for for DAOs into the space. Um, but, but today, you know, the, usually the core tool set would be, you know, of course, email, but Discord is a community uh, platform that's used most often and it allows for us to use tools like um, Guild or Collabland to token gate access so that we could say you have to hold a number of tokens to be able to access this Discord, which uh, creates a, a unique dynamic where people have a sense of an ownership stake in these communities and um, you know, I think it's a really clear Web3 tie-in to, to tokens being kind of the core central part of, of where value accrues in, in these organizations. Um, and I think we're going to see that idea sort of sp spread out to pretty much all other types of, of you know, uh, work management tools. So, you know, we see Clarity is like an evol evolution of, of Notion where token ownership and, and permissions are sort of embedded in it. Um, you know, we use, use both of those tools, Notion and, and Clarity as a way of managing our workflow. Um, you know, still use Gmail for, for email and, and Google Docs, but, you know, there's these decentralized storage tools and uh, Git books and, and different tools that also make that a little bit easier to do in a, in a more decentralized way. Um, so I think there's like this longer evolution that we're going to need to, to get on as, as these new primitives start to either get embedded in, in web two tools or new ones get you know created and, and unlock new value for for organizations like ours 
Um, but we still struggle with all the same challenges that, that you know, any organization struggles with, which is like, how do you get on the same page? How do you make sure things get done? How do you communicate clearly? How do you work in public? Even though some of the stuff that you're doing maybe shouldn't be public right away. So how do you manage that? Um, no shortage of friction areas within the operations of, I think, remote teams generally. But, you know, with, with DAOs, we're, we're really trying to create opportunities for, to really to reduce information asymmetry and allow for more emergent participation. Um, it creates a yeah, unique set of challenges that I think really great teams are, are sort of working their way through right now. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, on that tip, what, you know, at Seed Club, what do you guys have? Uh, what are you guys working toward? You know, what's the, what's the next thing on the horizon? Uh, you know, can, can you, I guess, wrap with, uh, you know, what, what we can expect to see in the coming months and, and years? Yeah. I mean, we, Core, Core to C Club is our accelerator program where we work with, you know, 20 ish amazing DAOs or communities with tokens uh, every quarter. And, um, you know, our job is to choose really great projects and to help them be, you know, very successful out in the world. And so, um, you know, the, the outward visibility will, you'll see just a, an increasing number of really great projects that have either come through our past cohorts or, or these future ones really hit the, the, the mainstream in big ways. Uh, I think people are going to be, you know, really excited about just the the new ways people can get involved in these organizations, the the missions, the impacts they'll have, um, and you know, it touches everything from, you know, reimagining what festivals and our artists collective should look like, all the way through to a team that's trying to buy and operate an NBA sports franchise, and and literally everything in between. Um, and so I think what people will likely see is is those projects breaking into the mainstream and, and behind the scenes, I think C club is just going to continue to, to get better at finding great projects, supporting great leaders and, and helping them design structures that are going to be successful long-term. Um, so if people are out there thinking about, you know, if they're, they're operating a community or they're interested in launching a community-based project, cclub.xyz is the best place for you to go. You can find out about our next cohorts and, and the programs and educational opportunities that we run. Um, and then we can also introduce you through that to this growing list of amazing projects that, um, you know, if you're interested in something like, uh, you know, I don't know, apparel or, you know, consumer packaged goods or golf or, you know, just in music, uh, we have something for you. And, and there's a community that's trying to do something novel and new and interesting. And uh, we'd love to connect you with, with those adventures. Amazing. Well, Jess Loss, thank you so much. This has been a really great conversation. Really appreciate you coming on the Decent People podcast. And, uh, you know, really excited to see and, and hear, uh, you know, what, what uh, continues to come out of uh, Seed Club and, and uh, you know, what, what continues to be innovated on. Awesome. Thanks, Stephen. All right. That's it for this episode of Decent People. Thanks so much for listening. Check the show notes for more information on our guests today. And make sure to look us up on the web at decential.io. That's D-E-C-E-N-T-I-A-L.io. And on Twitter, at Decential. Have a great day.